I join with Tucker in commending all of those who had a part in our Reconnect marriage workshop, those who were able to attend, those who helped pull it off, and that's a large, large group. I appreciate that very much. We did invite many of others from area congregations, had some good representation from a couple of those, including the North Tenaha Church of Christ, our brothers and sisters there. In fact, one of the couples that attended had been married 53 years the day before the workshop. 53, 53rd anniversary on that workshop weekend, and they came. I jokingly told them that if I told Joyce that we were going to have a church activity on the weekend of our 53rd anniversary, there might not be a 54th. But they were such a joy to meet, and I appreciate Tucker's leadership in that event, and um, what a wonderful time uh, it is to be able to gather with one another. I also join with uh, Kelly in talking about this singing night tonight at 5 p.m. We're going to all be back in here in these two sections. I think we have a youth uh, families activity planned elsewhere. The rest of us will be right here. We'll be singing praises joyfully to our great God and also giving our tech crew an opportunity to be able to figure out the best place to put some of the new equipment that we have that will enhance our singing in here and enhance the singing that you hear when you worship with us online. And so I know all are excited about that. And I hope that you will be back for that. It will be a wonderful time of praising our God and uh, encouraging each other as we joyfully sing uh, together. And hopefully you're uh, planning on coming to the acapella concert, which will be Uh, March the 3rd, right here in this auditorium that Friday night uh, next spring, and it's going to be an exciting time. We have already uh, released, have 160 tickets committed to, and this was as of Friday, uh, from our church family here. We bought 200, so if you would like any of the remaining tickets uh, that we have at a discounted price, then you can uh, give us a call here at the office uh, either today and leave a message or tomorrow and uh, get, talk with Francis about that. Um, there, you can also get them at acapella.org. And uh, we have a, a church uh, code that we can use until October 18th. That's a 20% discount. Uh, but you can get all of that information there. And that will be a wonderful, wonderful night. I'm super excited about that. Many other activities going on. And you can read about those in our bulletin or on our app. I know we have a lot of activities even today. This has already been shared and other activities and prayer needs coming up in the days ahead. So be mindful of all of those and be sure and read your bulletin and take a look at that app to get uh, all the information uh, there. Uh, I have a question to ask as we begin and the answer is pretty obvious. Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever done anything wrong? This is one of those, you know, deals where you realize that, uh, of course, the answer to that is yes, we, we all have. We all have. The next question is a little bit more difficult. Ever done anything to hurt someone, especially someone you loved? That's a little bit more emotional of a statement, isn't it? It's one thing to acknowledge, yes, I have, I have done wrong. I'm a sinner. I have, I have not done what I was supposed to do before. But it's quite another thing to say, as a result of my sin, people I love were hurt. And that brings it to a whole different, even more 
powerful level, doesn't it? If we've lived long enough, we've all done that in our relationships here in this life. Wronged someone, hurt someone that we loved. Have you thought about your relationship with the one who loves you the most of all? The one who went through all of that that Chris shared about as we gathered around the table to remember his great sacrifice. To think of all the anxiety and all of the pain and all the emotional hurt and all of the separation from his father that he felt during not just those few hours on the cross, but the days leading up to that. When we think about how much he did for us, and then the wrongs that we have committed against him, and how much they hurt. When we think of the one who loves us the most and how much our wrong actions and the Bible calls those sin, how much they have hurt him, it puts this whole lesson this morning into a different perspective. A reminder that in order to be saved, you have to recognize that you've been lost. And that's how we feel. We want to be saved. And the reason that's so important is because of how deeply we were lost. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 makes that exact connection. As he shares about the gospel in uh, an amazing and very uh, important and clear way. Before the sermon time this morning, the boys came up and gave me a word of encouragement, and one of them said, tell them, tell them. And that was really, really what I'm here to do. Ephesians chapter 2 begins in this way, we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sins. It's not just that we had wronged God, it's not just that we had hurt God's feelings, it's that we were dead. We were sinners, and we were dead. If left to ourselves, if God had not gotten involved, we were dead. We were dead in our sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every... I'm sorry, that's chapter 1, which is a great passage, by the way. There's a wonderful sermon on our website from chapter 1 from last week. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's us. That describes us. We were dead in our sins. This passage of Scripture in Ephesians 2 sounds much like a passage that we looked at a few weeks ago from Titus chapter 3. And also another passage that deals with some of these same things in Romans 6 and also in Colossians 2. 
We were dead in our sins. And that's how we used to live. And it's because we were not following the one who created us. We were not following the one who gave us his word of the best way to live in this world and for eternity. But rather we were following the ways of Satan. And we were following specifically the ways of ourselves that we wanted to follow. That was how we were living. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says very clearly, the wages of sin is death. And Paul acknowledges that here as well in verse 1. You were dead in your transgressions and sin. And this is our lives before Christ. A little bit later on, we'll talk about telling our story, and this is a hint of how that's going to go. But this is our lives before Christ. This is our lives before Jesus came into our lives, before he gave his life on the cross, and before we were able to accept that salvation by faith. We were dead in our sins. The wages of sin is death. If we get what we deserve, that's what it is. That's what it is. Like the rest, the end of verse 3 says, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's what we deserve. If we get what we deserve, it's that. It's the wrath of God. It's punishment because of our sins. Thankfully, Ephesians 2 goes on. Our lives before Christ, we were dead in our sins, and then God made us alive. God acted. God didn't have to do something. He only had to do something if he wanted us to be saved. And so he did. God made us alive. Beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But... Remember, he had just said we were dead in our sins. We were deserving of wrath. All of those things. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Could it be any clearer? We were dead in our sins, but God acted and God made us alive. You see, the subject in those sentences in verses 4 through 9 is not me, it's not us, it's God. The subject in the first few verses is ourselves. (laughs) We're the ones that sinned. We're the ones that were deserving of wrath. We're the ones that were dead and condemned. But... God acted, but God made us alive in Jesus Christ. And it's because of his great love for us 
that he did that. It's because God is rich in mercy and was willing to give that. Was willing to find a way where he could maintain his justice but also act on his mercy. And the cost of that was the life and blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself. God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, verse 5 says, it is by grace you have been saved. And let that word go out. That is exactly what I want to tell you. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, verse 6, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You see, when we were dead in our sins, we were following the ruler of the power of the air. We were following Satan, the one who has dominion here in this world and in this life. And that was it. But when God made us alive in Christ Jesus, we chose, we chose to live differently. We don't do it perfectly But we chose that we would not follow the one who had dominion here, but rather we would follow the one who has dominion in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In another passage that some of our classes looked at today in 1 Timothy 1, Paul announces that in a very personal way. Calling himself the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners, and saying, yet God showed me mercy. And he can show you mercy too. That is our story as well. So that others would be able to hear the message about the incomparable riches of the grace of God expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then verse 8 is repetitive, but it makes it clear once again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not from works so that no one can boast. Not a single one of us can boast of our salvation. If we're going to boast, here's what we say. I was dead in my sins. That's all we can say about ourselves, about our efforts, about what we have done. We were dead in our sins and transgressions. But God made us alive in Jesus Christ. And so it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. That is the response of faith. If there's no response of faith, if there's no answer to that question that's asked several times in the book of Acts, what must I do to be saved? Then we're talking about universalism. And this incredible sacrifice that God made by giving his own son applies to everybody no matter what. Whether they believe him, whether they trust in him, whether they spit in his face or whether they curse him. It doesn't matter. But scripture doesn't tell us that. Scripture tells us that it is absolutely 100% by the grace of God in Jesus Christ that we have been saved. But that grace comes through faith, through the response of faith. It doesn't mean we earn that salvation. It doesn't mean that we deserve to be saved. We deserve God's wrath. He's already made that clear. But what this does is a look to God that says, I humbly, gratefully accept. Your grace. How do we do that? We do that through the response of faith. We do that by first of all believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. As the one who gave his life for me. As the one that God raised from the dead on the third day. 
as the one who is coming again. We do that by turning away from our lives of sin. That's called repentance. We do that by leaving that desire to serve ourselves or serve the one who has dominion, the prince of the power of the air, and make a decision that we'll live our lives on a different path. And it will be to glorify the one who died for us. The response of faith includes our confession of our sins before others so that they will know that this is something that is genuine in our hearts And then the response of faith is completed with the act of baptism. We are buried with Christ through baptism into death so that we may be raised to live a new life. So that we can see that new creation that scripture talks about in other places. In that similar passage in Titus chapter 3, when he gets to this part, Paul says it is through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And that's talking about baptism doesn't mean we earn it. It doesn't mean we deserve it. It's not an act or a work on our part that brings about our salvation any more than believing is. Believing is something we do just as well. But it's a part of that response of faith. It's a part of that glad and joyful and humble and grateful acceptance of the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. That passage that Kelly used earlier in Romans chapter 5, people would die for someone perhaps that's a good person, but God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ Christ died for us. God made us alive. This is our conversion to Christ. Our lives before Christ were filled with sin and transgressions, which is just a dollar two ninety eight word for sins, breaking the law of God and hurting God in the process, in spite of how very much He loved us and loves us still. And now we talk about that time when God made us alive, that time when we were converted to Jesus Christ. And you have your story and I have mine. And Paul recounts his in Acts chapters 22 and 26 and talks about those events on the road to Damascus and what happened in the city when he was told to get up and be baptized and wash your sins away calling on the name of the Lord. You have a story like that too that starts with being dead in your sins, your life before Christ. And then secondly, it moves on to your conversion to Christ when God made you alive through the blood of Christ. But that's not where it ends. The third part is this. We are saved to do good works. They don't save us. They are a result of our salvation. In Ephesians 2, this last verse of this passage, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, God's creation. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is what we do. This is how we live. This is who we are. Doing those good works, like Chris talked about, having the courage, the courage and the faith to trust God that if we follow His will and do His will and serve others, that it will not go unnoticed by Him. It may go unnoticed by others. But he sees and he knows and he saves and he rewards. 
And this is who we are. We are created in Christ Jesus to do those good works. Titus 3 verse 8 says, We devote ourselves to doing what is good. We are new creations. We follow after God. We present ourselves as living sacrifices to do His will. And this is our lives with Christ. Our lives before Christ, dead in our sins. Our conversion to Christ, God made us alive. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And now our lives with Christ, devoted to doing what is good, saved to do good works. This series is entitled, Blessed to Bless, taken from the book of Ephesians. And it's talking about the blessings we have, but it's also talking about how God has called us to use those blessings to bless others. They don't stop with us. But to continue to do His will, continue to tell our stories, our life before Christ, dead in our sins, our conversion to Christ, how God made us alive through Jesus Christ by His grace, through faith we have been saved. Maybe that occurred in a church like this, and maybe this very one in that baptistry right up there. Maybe it was in a river, maybe it was at camp, maybe it was in someone's pool. Whatever your story is, tell it. Blessed to bless. It's one of the sweetest statements we can ever make. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And that means I live life at the cross. On October 2nd, 2019, former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the killing of Botham Jean. She had thought he was an intruder, but she mistakenly had entered his apartment instead of her own. And she shot and killed him there. This is Botham Jean. He was a member of the Churches of Christ. He had been a student at Harding University. He was a worship leader at his congregation and at the university. And last year during lectureship week, Harding dedicated this memorial that you see to Botham Jean. His life was cut short, and his killer was convicted. She was found guilty. And then on the day of her sentencing, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison, and she serves there today. And perhaps one of the most powerful moments in U.S. judicial history came after Amber Geiger was sentenced. Brant Jean, Botham's younger brother, addressed his brother's killer from the witness stand. And here's what happened. Can, can I give her a hug, please? Compassion, grace. Yes. Whatever you call it, in a hushed courtroom in Texas tonight, we witnessed it. 18-year-old Brant Jean forgiving Amber Geiger, his brother's killer. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. 
I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. This unlikely ending, perhaps the biggest surprise in a case that captivated the nation for more than a year. Geiger, the former Dallas police officer, convicted of murdering 26-year-old Gotham John in his own home. When Brant John hugged her, a lot of emotion poured out of her. I think the healing process hopefully is starting to occur in her now. That young man is 18 and he is a leader and he should guide us in healing. We could use this incredible moment to remind each other and ourselves of the call to forgive. And the DA is right. Brant Jean is a leader. And he is an example for us all in this regard. But I want each of us this morning to look at this differently. I don't want us to put ourselves in the place of Brant Jean and who we need to forgive. I want us to put ourselves in the place of Amber Geiger. We too are guilty of wrongdoing, sinning, in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. There is no reason in the world for Him to forgive us. We are deserving of His wrath. And yet He has forgiven us. Whatever your sin, God truly will forgive you, whatever that is. Unlike this scene, we do not have to carry out the sentence we have received. She does. But for us, the wages of our sin is death. And we don't have to carry out that penalty because God has given His own Son to take that death penalty for us Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's one of the sweetest statements we can ever make. I am forgiven. Say that with me. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Say that one more time. I am forgiven. Are you, are you forgiven this morning? Has that blood of Jesus Christ washed your sins away? Not just the sins of the world, but your sins away. Have you named that sweet name of Jesus? Have you been baptized with Him and been raised to live a new life? Are you forgiven? Are you saved? And are you using that salvation to bring peace and joy and comfort and help and service to others by doing good works in the name of Christ because of what He has done for you. Are you forgiven? Are you saved? If you're not, I hope and pray that you will come at this time and do that and be baptized into Christ or to stop one of us and talk to one of us and say, you know, I couldn't really say that, Bill. I couldn't really say that out loud, that I am forgiven. And whatever is keeping you from that, more than anything else, we want you to take that barrier away 
And if we can help you do that, if we can help you today to lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus, your Savior, come as we stand, as we sing our song together.